BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a red light edition of the Alabanza football podcast. I see you, Allstate Executive Brownwater, and cheers to you. What's that, red light edition? I really should say non-blinking crimson light edition, but no, under no circumstances are we calling this the bittersweet edition. So many headlines describing Alabama's win as bittersweet. It's almost dad joke territory. Get it, big win, non-playoff game in the, wait for it, sugar bowl. But it's not true. This game was cathartic. It actually felt good. And frankly, I like my dad joke better. Watching uh, a bowl game with my daughter earlier in the week, we mentioned that Clemson and Tennessee were playing in the, wait for it, Orange Bowl. My daughter responded, that's just way too much orange. Well, that's just something you never forget. For me, Alabama's win was, it was all sweet. It was pure double oat goodness. The team showed heart, competitive spirit. It played its best game of the season and finished the right way, all tenets of Saban's process. It was the great ending, bolstering an otherwise mediocre movie. Just ask Michigan Michigan and Ohio State how they feel this morning with their playoff losses. I mean, sometimes a happy ending is just what you need. Get your mind out of the gutter. You know who I'm talking to. Real quick, three administrative points before we get going. One, Please, please rate and review the podcast. We enjoy and appreciate your support. We want more of it. It helps people find us. We want to grow the show. Uh, January 1, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, There's a lot of non-game action uh, news that's going to break this week. Uh, Players declaring for uh, the NFL uh, transfer portal activity, coaching move activity, all of that stuff. 
stuff or some of that stuff may break between recording this and when you listen to it. Uh, we'll have some additional shows in which we will uh, cover all of those topics. And just a real quick PSA, don't touch me, bro. And uh, thanks, uh, Sarkeesian, uh, for that passionate reminder there. All right, let's jump in as we do. We'll start with offense. And uh, again, uh, this is a little sad, I guess, but uh, probably, probably for what will be the last time, uh, we'll start a podcast talking about Bryce Young uh, as he uh, looks looks that he's going to go on to the NFL. And, you know, gosh darn, he probably, he probably should. Um, I think this may have been Bryce Young's best performance. Uh, he certainly ranked his highest or his best career quarterback ranking, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, he achieved uh, second place all time Alabama touchdown passes uh, with 80 uh, on his career, uh, second only to Tua, uh, who sits at 87. Bryce had five touchdowns on the day. Those five allowed him to pass A.J. McCarron. Uh, so five touchdown passes on the day against only six incompletions. He had nearly as many touchdowns as he did incompletions. There's a there's a level of perfection that accompanies that, and certainly uh, no interceptions on the day. Bryce had 321 yards passing. He has thrown for more yards, uh, but his effectiveness uh, is just outstanding. Five touchdowns, as as we said, uh, five different receivers with touchdowns, and so there's sort of an even distribution there. And there were only seven receivers uh, or pass catchers on the day, so nearly an Oprah moment with you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. So nearly everyone who caught a pass uh, caught a touchdown, uh, which is which is pretty good. You know, it's it's likely we said the the last review that we have in Bryce, and and we always talk about that's a Bryce stat line, uh, or this isn't a Bryce like stat line, and this very much is a Bryce like stat line. So it's fitting. Um, you know, th- plus three hundred yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's it's an incredible. An incredible performance. Uh, his play, Bryce Young's play, sparked a 35-point unanswered uh, streak. Uh, Alabama went down by 10. Not that long later, it's 35-10. to 10, And so Alabama rattled off uh, 35 unanswered points. And there was a stretch, uh, and it stretched over half. So we're talking game clock, not sort of time clock. But over game clock, uh, Alabama scored uh, 21 points in just over two minutes of game clock. And so some of that was the result of turnovers, uh, special teams play, uh, and then certainly a big play by Bryce driving the ball uh, down the field 98 yards uh, going into half. I would have liked um, – this is a nit, uh, but it's what we do. We, we, we say what we see and what we like and what we don't want like. I really would have liked for Bryce to have come out uh, probably a series or two early. And that's not a knock on Bryce by any stretch. Uh, I'd reached the point in the game where I just really wanted to see the young guys. And I wanted to see uh, Milrow and uh, uh, Ty Simpson play. And I especially, uh, God bless Milrow, but especially wanted to see Ty Simpson get some shots at slinging the ball. And it uh, didn't happen. And so uh, so Milrow came in, but it was a little bit later. Uh, again, a series or two later than I would have liked. Alabama scored more points, which padded Brass's, uh, Bryce's stats uh, or, or plumped them. And as a result, we really weren't, Alabama was really not passing the ball uh, at that time. So again, that's a nit. I really liked the fact that uh, Bryce ran back out. Uh, we ran a play, although I would have preferred to have done it with a tight end. Again, we're being nitpicky here. Um, 
But uh, we got the standing ovation for Bryce where he went back on the field. There was a play. There was a pause between the action. And then there was a moment where he exited the game as Milrow came in. They shared a moment. But the standing ovation that Bryce got was phenomenal. And for all the Alabama fans that were there, I was not able to go. Uh, Thank you for uh, punctuating that moment in the way that you did. Let's talk about running backs. Uh, It was an effective committee. Uh, overall, uh, Jameer uh, Gibbs had 15 carries for 76 yards. He had two receptions for 66, uh, 66 yards, uh, including a 60-yarder that uh, led to Alabama's first touchdown and really sort of hot-wired or jump-started the Alabama offense. So that certainly was good. It was a nice, it was a nice play by Bryce, sort of moving a little bit, uh, knowing that he had uh, Jameer cutting across sort of as an outlet and uh, and laying the ball out for Jameer to run into. Uh, it was a really nice execution on both parts. Jace had seven carries. Uh, Jace McClellan, seven carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Roy Dell uh, had five for 23. He had a really nice special teams play we'll talk about in a minute. And Jamerian uh, Miller uh, with, uh, with Trey Sanders opting out uh, and, and further electing not to play. Uh, even even with uh, not opting out, but entering the portal uh, and then electing not to play while he's in the portal. Uh, Jamarian Miller got some got a, uh, some additional work. He's the kid we've been talking about all season. We've got to find him um, more opportunity, more opportunity, and because we don't want him to sort of get paved over because we know what we have with Jason Waydell. Uh, we're bringing in uh, Alabama's recruiting class has brought in, I think, the third and fourth nationally ranked running backs. Is that is that right? Highly ranked. Maybe it's one and two. I don't know. Highly, highly ranked uh, running backs. All the excitement's going to be over the new guys, which is fantastic. And there's almost a sort of a squish sandwich there where Jamirian's right in the middle. Middle. I've got two guys ahead of me that have been in the system for a couple of years. I've got the two, you know, new hot guys uh, off the street behind me, and I'm sort of stuck in the middle with you. And so Jamirian Miller had three carries for 44 uh, yards. He had Alabama's longest run of the day, uh, 38 yards. Remember, Gibbs' play was a reception. And so Jamirian had the, the longest run of the day, 38 yards. And so I am hoping that he feels the love and, um, and that he is keen on uh, sticking around. So we'll see how that plays out because Jamarian Miller is a phenomenal running back, and he's certainly someone uh, Alabama fans need to rally behind. I encourage you to rally behind because uh, I think he can be a star. Uh, so, and that's not something the other guys can't either. I just think he's he's got it. And I liked the the TV crew said this, and presumably uh, you take what the TV crew says with a um, uh, with a grain of salt. But you like to think they're getting sort of intel from from the coaches and, and you know, comments that coaches make. And uh, they commented that the coaching staff uh, looks at Jamarian Miller as a Josh Jacobs type of player. That's exciting. Uh, that's exciting because it could mean um, – I always thought Josh Jacobs, he was like third or fourth in the depth chart if you really line him up. But he had like a carved out little niche package that he that he ran, and in the way that Sarban Saban says there's more than eleven starters, he was almost the starter in that little niche package, and so he always felt like he was one of the front line guys, even though technically, if you line him up, he might have been the fourth wide receiver. Um, he felt more like a starter, and so maybe there maybe there is that type of package uh, for Jamarian Miller. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, spring, uh, unless he sort of gets a gets a wild hair and decides that he's going to leave, which I so hope that he doesn't. Uh, spring might be a very interesting time to see how 
uh, Jamarian Miller is uh, deployed. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, wide receiver, I think, and, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, because I know we had the transfer portal players, but for my money, the wide receivers, the team played like there was more clarity uh, at the position. There were only four wide receivers that caught passes, and there was uh, a tight end and, uh, and a, the two running backs. Uh, two running backs each had a, uh, had a reception. But there were five sort of designated pass catchers, if you will, uh, tight end, four wide receivers. Uh, each of those five caught uh, a touchdown pass, which, again, sort of ironic uh, or iconic. I thought those, I thought nearly each of those plays were iconic sort of Bryce Young sort of moments. There was the, you know, the scramble in the back of the end zone to hit Isaiah Bond, which was a phenomenal play by both quarterback and receiver. You know, the outcut by Cam Latou, um, it's sort of, that's a specialty that, that, that he has right at the goal line. And so that was, that was nice to see uh, that play. Uh, just the pinpoint placement of the pass to Ja'Cory Brooks and just really just throwing it out there and letting Ja'Cory just run through the ball, catch it, uh, and then run out of the end zone. That was an, a particularly beautiful pass, I thought, because the defender was in excellent position. And the defender, I don't want to say, and I sort of wrestled with this as I was watching the game, I don't want to say the defender gave up on the play. The defender gave up on his technique uh, because he turns – uh, the defender turns to the field side, which is the play is unfolding. Jamarian or, or, or Jacory is running towards the sideline. Uh, the receiver really turns the wrong way because uh, as he turns to his inside shoulder, the ball comes across his outside shoulder. And, and as he turns, the defender, the cornerback, almost slows down. And, uh, and Ja'Cory sort of bumps him. And it's not a push-off. It's not anything like that. It's just as the receiver turns his head, he slows down a little bit, and and Ja'Cory sort of runs across him, just barely grazing him. And it's almost like, get out of my way. I'm going to where the ball is, and you're doing whatever it is you're doing. And uh, and then it looked like there was a bigger sort of separate. By the time Ja'Cory caught the ball, it looked like there was a bigger separation between them than there really was because the defender sort of gave up on – um, his technique. Had he stayed with his technique, had he just closed his eyes and put his arms up in the air and and and, and literally like given up the play and like failed, flailed, um, he probably would have batted the ball away and uh, you know looked like a hero. But uh, he sort of he sort of gave up on his technique and uh, and allowed the touchdown to play. And it was beautiful because the ball was just placed. It was like it was it was you know Bryce was throwing it into a basket. And then Jacory just ran under the basket and scooped it up. It was just incredible execution. Um, sometimes, sometimes plays just resonate with me. They have a beauty about them, and, and that's one of those plays. And and I go on and on about them when when they do happen. So uh, that is certainly one. I like the payoff play to, to Burton. I think the receivers kind of got or the uh, the TV crew kind of gave Burton a tough way to go because. Because uh, Bryce missed him on a couple of early passes, I don't think it was Burton. I think it was Bryce, and um, and uh, at, at least you know from my seat on the couch, and uh, and so I'm glad he got the payoff, uh, the payoff pitch for the touchdown, and, and sort of wrestled uh, with the defender. He knew that it, that was his, and 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 he was going to grab hold of. It. So I thought that was nice. Overall, again, I thought the wide receivers played with a certain clarity. And man, I'm going to tell you, we had some defections. Alabama had some defections, if you will at the wide receiver room, some of which were surprising. The Aaron Anderson, true freshman leaving, truly that surprising. You know, JoJo Earl is surprising. 
he's had sort of the injury bog. Uh, Treshawn Holden leaving was a little bit surprising because he had an opportunity to, to be one of the top guys earlier in the season. I think there's some writing on the wall that, that maybe he saw. But even with the guys leaving, there's so many talented youngsters uh, still on the roster. And then with the new recruits coming in, and boy, that Juco, uh, Malik Benson, I'm, I'm super excited to, to see how he does. And so spring is going to be <clears throat> really, really exciting because I think uh, the competition at the wide receiver, I'd love me some Isaiah Bond. I, I'd love me some Kendrick Law, some Kobe Prentice. Uh, Burton's going to be back. Ja'Cory is going to be back. So many of the guys, um, I'm excited about this. What this wide receiver room is going to look like uh, is going to look like. So more to come as we get sort of more into the offseason. and we know who's on the roster because I suspect there's probably a name or two uh, that will enter the portal or decide to transfer. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, offensive line, uh, just real quick, I, th- I thought the offensive line play- played really, really well. Um, not, you know, I'm not real sort of technical in sort of the line play. Was this their best play of the season? Uh, maybe so. Um, uh, maybe so. I thought they played uh, very, very well. Uh, Tyler Booker, uh, give him a little bit of a shout out. He started the game uh, and and played throughout at the left tackle. So the spot that Javon Cohen left, which was a surprise that he did, but, you know, whatever the story is there, I don't know it, but, uh, good luck, uh, young man. But Tyler Booker stepped into that position. He's been rotating into that position. Tyler Booker's the guy that we say, hey, he comes in, in the on a third series and and plays the third and fourth at the left uh, guard, and then he plays the fifth and sixth at the right guard, and then he rotates out. And, and so everyone's sort of rotating. You've got three players playing two positions. Uh, and so Javon Cohen rotated himself out uh, of the rotation. Tyler Booker got uh, I think what would officially his uh, first start and then played the entire game, at least through the meaningful snaps when you start rotating subs and the game's over. I don't really count that. And so good on him. Uh, boy, I think he's going to really be uh, a phenomenal player as he gets more time in the system. Uh, he might be one of the best guards in the conference as early as next season. So we'll see how that plays out. Offense, uh, let's wrap up offense. Let's give our mini game ball. I, I think I haven't been doing that every game, so we'll try to get back into that routine. That's sort of a fun little thing that we do. Uh, mini game ball is going to Robbie Oots. Uh, Robbie Outs, um, he had an incredible block on uh, Jameer's uh, 60 yard, 60 yard sort of reception. So he got out and, and, and made a nice block. Uh, he made a couple of other uh, nice blocks. He was available for passes, he sort of flared out. Uh, a couple times and was available for passes. Uh, I think he, I think his game is getting better and better. Uh, his his contribution and almost everything he does is sort of a we call him a halfback, call him a tight end, call him whatever the hell you want to. He, he plays the fullback position, and so almost anything that a fullback does, unless you're Mike Allstat uh, or Tom Rathman, <laughs> youngsters look up those guys. But unless unless you're one of those guys, almost anything you do as a fullback uh, is is in the realm of mini game ball. And so I thought Robbie uh, played uh, really, really well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if – and there's so many dynamic explosive weapons. It'd be neat if there could be a way to sort of bring back some of the old school tight end play or uh, uh, fullback play because I don't think I, there's much that I love more than, than uh, a, a fullback. Uh, making moves in, in the open field. So hopefully he'll have an opportunity to do that. I'm also going to give a shout out uh, to Chip 
who was on our sort of on game chat because I think he called out that mini game ball really as the as the play happened. So uh, good on him and uh, good on Robbie. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, let's flip the field and um, and talk defense. And, I, you know, we do, there's sort of a, a something we do when we talk defense. Uh, it wasn't great, and it wasn't terrible, and then we sort of talk about the differential. Um, and that's really what we have uh, with the Alabama defense on, on Saturday. It was, it was what we call serviceable. Uh, you know, you could say, you know, Alabama defense allowed the team to get into a 10-point deficit uh, to start the game. You know, the counterpoint is the Alabama defense only allowed 10 points uh, to the opponent while the game was still a contest. You could say that the Alabama defense allowed three 10 plus 10 play plus drives, um, which is true. Uh, you could say that the Alabama defense allowed a goal line stand uh, just before half that contributed to a 14 point uh, turnaround. Uh, you can also say that the Alabama defense had four three and outs. Uh, you can say the Alabama defense allowed 35 plus minutes, uh, 35 minutes, four seconds of time of possession. You can say, hey, the Alabama defense had two uh, turnovers. And so some of that time of, time of possession was was empty. Uh, the goal line stand came right at the end of a 17 play drive. And so damn it, 17 plays uh, down to the two. But, well, that's where goal line stands happen on the goal line. And so you got to have the bad almost to have the good in that regard with the two turnovers. Uh, one of the turnovers, um, uh, one of the interceptions, uh, it was a turnover on downs on the goal line stand. Uh, one of the ten, uh, turnovers was at the end of a, a multi-play drive uh, just early in the game. And uh, and so it just sort of neutered the scoring opportunity there. Uh, you can say, hey, Alabama defense allowed an 88-yard uh, run uh, by Deuce Fawn, who's a two-time All-America, uh, by the way. So dude has skills. Uh, you can say that 88-yard run is the is the longest run uh, Alabama has allowed in the last 20 years, and it's the, it's the longest run of Saban's career uh, at Alabama, and those will be true statements as well. You could say that uh, Kansas State, outside of the 88-yard run, only had 103 yards rushing on the entire rest of the day, and Deuce Vaughn, remember, two-time All-America, Outside of the 88-yarder, he averaged he averaged only 2.1 yards per carry outside of that that one play. Which, when I think about 80-yard runs um, under Saban's uh, tenure, I think about uh, Virginia Tech a number of years ago in the Chick-fil-A Bowl uh, sort of season uh, kickoff classic type of game, and we just had a run fit. We were killing them, and I think we ended up beating them, you know, 25 to seven, and and, and it was an 80-yard run uh, right up the middle, right up the middle. You think, how did you let them run right up the middle? Because someone misses run fit. And so that's what happened, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, frankly, that's exactly what happened on this 88-yard run. Uh, the guard was able to knock Tua Tua uh, out of the play, and it was a reach. It was a reach block uh, by the guard, and Tua Tua, Tua Tua just got sort of wrapped up in it, and that created a lane. And so had Tua Tua been able to get another step inside into the hole, and, and do the run fit, 
it's a two or three yard game. And so that's not me. That's not me mad at Toa Toa. It's, it's simply to illustrate just like we did with, with a Vartek game is that one miss run fit, one false step, one misstep, letting that guard get to your shoulder uh, and knock you out of the hole is sometimes all it takes for a huge explosive play. If everyone else is managing their responsibility, receivers downfield, they've got their run fit. Sometimes one player who owns that run fit is all it takes for a big explosive run uh, like that. And that's not that's not excuse making. It's a little bit of explaining and it's a little bit of like, damn it. But when you take that out and you look at how effective the Alabama defense was in run support for the for the balance of the day. Well, shit, pretty good. Uh, and that's uh, and that's certainly what we saw. I will say this, you know, Alabama played more three pure DLs. Now, Alabama always looks like it's a four man front. Uh, but keep in mind that it's a four-man front because it's two walk-up defensive ends, Dallas Turner and and Will Anderson. And so a lot of times Alabama's really only playing two authentic or pure um, DLs and a lot more of the time Saturday. And I think it was in response to the expected running game. Uh, Alabama played more, th- more three uh, DLs, pure DLs. And so uh, I think that contributed to uh, K-State struggling in the running game. I will say this, in Saturday's Zoom, uh, we spent a great deal of time talking about, hey, what are the activities that Alabama defense can do to improve? And one of the things that we talked about was playing more pure defensive linemen. Let's get back to three and four pure defensive linemen with pure defensive ends and see where that gets us from a defensive standpoint. So it was interesting to see almost some of that materialize same day, uh, just later in the afternoon. That Zoom's available, you know, go join the, uh, the the recording of that Zoom is available for those that subscribe to all that. All right, Will Anderson registering. Oh, oh just a couple more things. Um, it was almost diabolical that the three leading receivers for Kansas State each had exactly 48 yards. Uh, so that's interesting. That stood out to me as is interesting. Uh, and then when I looked at who the players were, uh, I especially got a kick because uh, one's a tight end, uh, one's a running back, and one's a white possession receiver. And so that, I think, is the most Alabama thing ever, uh, that the opponent's leading receivers all have the same amount of yards, and it's a tight end, and it's a running back, and it's a, uh, a possession receiver. So I got a big kick out of that. Um Let's see. We talked about the three DL sets. Uh, Will Anderson registering no stats is, is I think, for me, perfect. Uh, we talked about Bryce having a perfect Bryce stat line. Well, hell, I think Will Anderson <laughs> logging no stats is a perfect Will Anderson stat uh, set line. Uh, and and if you've listened, then you know what I mean by that. Uh, what I mean by that <clears throat> is that Will Anderson should get a stat tax from uh, other other players that are that are making plays because often so much of the attention goes to Will that. You know, sometimes when they double and triple team him, it is hard for him to make a play. Uh, or he gets to the quarterback the split second because he gets to the quarterback, knocks the quarterback down, affects the quarterback, but the ball just gets out of his hand uh, just in time. And even if it's an incomplete pass, it often doesn't register uh, as a stat. Uh, but the guy on the opposite side or a guy up the middle or someone that's running a stunt uh, with Will, they'll get the tack, the tackle, they'll get the sack, they'll get the TFL. And uh, so we always sort of jokingly say that Will Anderson's stat line is not representative of his contribution to the game. And so we say that quite a lot. And so we say he should have a 
stat tax on his line mates. And, uh, and Saturday is really just a great, perfect example of that. I will say that he, he was on a limited rotation. And I think, um, I think that the university tried to in, tried to ensure uh, Bryce and Will, and I don't, I can't speak to other players. Uh, Saban specifically mentioned so that if they were injured in the game, that they would, you know, sort of be compensated. So I don't know how the actuarial model goes uh, on something like that. It seems like it's more challenging to have that type of actuarial model on a linebacker than it is a quarterback, and so. Will came in pretty consistently on third and longs, uh, but not first and second down. And so somehow I think there was an actuary somewhere, uh, a bean counter somewhere that was doing the math on that, which is infinitely interesting to me. Uh, but uh, I think that contributed to Will seeing limited action. But he did compete. He did play. He did practice. No one practices football because it's fun. It's always hard work. And so the leadership that he demonstrated, don't hear me take away anything from Will Anderson uh, on the field. Uh, he did see limited action, but he did contribute. If you went to look at the stat line to, to find his contribution, you're not going to find it. If you watch the game, uh, you would see Will Anderson's contribution. Uh, now there's a host of players that, that um, uh, also had phenomenal days on defense. Brian Branch just played himself uh, up, up multiple picks uh, in the first round. Uh, he had 12 tackles, 11 solo. 11 of his 12 tackles were solo. And we talk about sometimes the ratio of tackles you're in on versus solo. Are you are you carrying your own water or are you rolling up on a play? Now, look, I like gang tackling, uh, but when you have 10 tackles and two solos, that's different than – 12 tackles, 11 solos. Uh, and so Brian Branch is a solo tackler. Uh, he does his own work. Uh, he added to his stat line. Um, he had a sack. He had four TFLs and an interception. So I, in my notes, I wrote, wow. Uh, Brian Branch had himself a day. And if there was any question, GoPro or not, GoPro or not, I think that's I think that's the home run uh, sort of see ya. Um, that uh, probably encourages him to move on. And as much as, and we will miss him. Brian Branch will be one of those guys that that we will miss. Uh, if there's lapses in the defense, guys, what's going on? It's because we don't have a Brian Branch uh, out there next season. And that's not me berating the guy still on the team. That's just that's for me. That's a statement of praise uh, for Brian Branch. Uh, Demarco Ellis was in on uh, 13 tackles. Most of those. Uh, were, were solo. Uh, Jordan Battle was in on nine tackles. He had an INT. Deontay Lawson, his tackle count wasn't as impressive as I kind of expected it to be, but man, he's all over the field. He's in coverage. Uh, he's uh, chasing after the quarterback in, in the backfield. He's stunting. He's blitzing. Uh, he's tracking down the run. Uh, Deontay Lawson, uh, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Write it down. Remember his name. Future star at the linebacker uh, position for Alabama. Uh, Malachi Moore, I think he had his best performance of the season uh, in my book. He had uh, four tackles, a sack. Uh, he was blitzing, uh, he, but he was steady. The big thing that we've talked about Malachi Moore over the second half of the season is that 
he's going to make a mistake. He's going to make a miss somewhere. And Saturday, he had no misses. He got better by cleaning up his floor, by raising his floor. He didn't raise his ceiling. He raised his floor, which made his average play better. And uh, so there's a lesson there that I know I could I could play from. Uh, but Malachi Moore, I thought, had, had his best game of the season. Uh, Jaheim Otis, I just want to have a moment for Jaheim Otis. Uh, the announcers were talking about him. And then, like, right on cue, um, Jaheim Otis had, in, in a pure sort of football way, had one of the most beautiful plays uh, of the game. He just man on man up on the center, uh, put the center on skates, drove him back, and, the, and then raised his arm and batted the ball. It's, it's, it's as close to one person beating 11 as you're ever going to get in football. And he just, over the center, just drove him back into the quarterback or, or right up to the quarterback and then raised his arm uh, is, is uh, his quarterback went to throw and batted the ball down just sort of harm, harmlessly uh, costing K-State uh, a down phenomenal play. Those are just exciting football plays. Uh, and so that was a great one to see. And then um, I'm going to go mini game ball on defense and I'm giving it to Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, Kool-Aid had a couple of great plays Uh in some tight coverage, uh, coverage that was tight enough that I've seen those be called as pass interfection, uh, pass um, <laughs> uh, pass interference. Uh, I thought they were clean. They were just physical. Uh, but that's not why he gets the mini game ball. Uh, McKinstry gets the mini game ball because of a play he didn't make, but for sensational effort that he gave to the play. Uh, on Deuce Vaughn's 88-yard run uh, to the offense's right, to the offense's left, and his defense is right, but to the offense's uh, left, um, McKinstry was the corner on that side. And McKinstry chased that play down all the way across the field, all the way to like the two-yard line, and he got a hand on Deuce and tried to sort of push him out and just Deuce's momentum and the distance and the angle, he wasn't able to push him uh, out of bounds. But at no point did he ever give up uh, on that play. And so Deuce scored, but McKinstry's effort was nothing short of outstanding. And uh, certainly certainly that's a player that's bought into the game, that's bought into the team, that's bought into playing for his teammates. And uh, there's a lot of, of goodness that goes into a player demonstrating that kind of effort. And so I'll give uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, full props for that. Let's talk uh, special teams. Will Reichert uh, only had one field goal opportunity, and dang it, it was a 49-yarder, and he booted it through. I was so excited when he was going to have an opportunity and a little bit nervous because, damn it, I knew that he, you know, he's declared he's going to go try to seek his fortune in the NFL. And so let's make this one because we love you, buddy. And, uh, boy, he marched that 49-yarder right down Main Street. It was beautiful. Uh, Ohio State would have been proud. And then he was perfect on his PATs, uh, six for six. So that's awesome. Uh, James Burnup had a decent day. Uh, he had five uh, punts for a net of 192. That's an average of, of 38.4. He had a long of 40. Uh, that average is lower than we'd like. We'd like his average to be up closer to – you know, 42, 45, and that range is really what we want. Uh, but 38 with a long of 40, that means he had, and, and I think he had one inside the 20, but that means he had a tight grouping 
his the standard deviation in his punt in his his punt distances uh, was grouped pretty tightly to have an average of of thirty eight and along with forty. I mean, do the math, right? Uh, everything had to have been clustered uh, pretty closely. By comparison, uh, this has gotten to be sort of a an interesting thing that I do, and I'm not a statistician by by any stretch, but by comparison, the Kansas State punter uh, uh, Ty uh, Zetner, he had five uh, punts as well. His total was 210, so 210 over 192. So it looks like he has a better day. His average is 42, which we want an average of 42. That's in the wheelhouse of what we want. He had a long of 53. We love those even more. But think about his distribution. His standard distribution was much higher. And, in fact, we recall that that he had just a pure stinker punt that went, you know, 24, 25 yards. And so you'd almost just, hey, if you're going to give me 38, that sucks, but just give me 38 consistently. We can plan around it. And, like, you're going to give me a 53-yarder one time and a 23-yarder another time. I can't do anything with that. And, um, you know, in terms of coaching and, 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 and sort of building your base, building your floor. Saban always talks about build your floor. And so 38 is a low floor, but – I can build it if I know what you got. And and the standard deviation for the other punter is is just too much. I think that's why we've seen some punters. Ty Perrin, uh, uh, I think, is a good example. He has a leg. He could boot the ball, but he'd have some stinkers. And so I just think Saban wants a steady floor. Give me a steady floor. We'll figure it out. And uh, so anyways, that was – that's more than we ever talk about punters, but that's what you get. Uh, Kool-Aid had a punt return. It was only one 15-yarders, 15-yarder. It was good to see him at least get one. We're going to talk about uh, kickoff returns because, you know, it just gets my goat sometimes. Uh, I love Jameer Gibbs. Don't hear me say that I don't. He had a total of 173 all-purpose yards uh, on the day. We've talked before, uh, 76 of those were rushing, 66 of those were receiving. And uh, he had 31 on kick returns. And so, you know, that 31 is not a huge number. It gets him from a total of about 142 total yards to 173. Well, 173 is a more impressive number. And uh, and so that 31 uh, sort of makes you say, wow, uh, a little more than the, than, than the 70, than the what a 142 would, which is still a nice number. And so those are material yards to his, his stat line. But let's take a look at him. He had uh, 31 uh, punt return yards on two kicks. Uh, one of those kicks was a 30-yard return to the 31. Well, we know, say it with me, they'll give you the ball for free on the 25. And so to go from the 25 to the 31 isn't a 30-yard gain. It's a six-yard gain. And the other uh, uh, punt return or kickoff return that Gibbs had was a one-yard return to the 16. Again, they'll give it to you for free on the 25. And so when you get it to the 16, to me, that's a nine-yard loss. And so the stat line for me really looks like a negative three kickoff return yards as opposed to a positive 31. And so that would get his his yards for the day down to 139, uh, which is even less impressive than the 142. That's not me being mad at Gibbs at all. It's just that's how I look at the game. That's how I look at uh, those plays and, you know, have the ability to return, uh, 
you know, the Kenyon, the Kenyon Drake uh, play for a touchdown. Let's have the opportunity to do that if, if you need it uh, in a game. And that game against Clemson, Alabama certainly did need it. And this game against Kansas State didn't. And so why not make the smart football play and uh, put both of those at the 25? Uh, you'd rather be at the 31 than, t- than the 25, but you'd rather be at the 25 than the 16. And so net it out. No one has to to run a play. No one gets hurt. There's no penalties. There's no sort of bullshit that uh, that can go with it. It just seems like the old coach that said, and I can't remember, uh, maybe it was Bryant. It's been attributed to a dozen guys. Um, but, you know, when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad, so, so run it. Um, I have that same uh, – sort of curmudgeon uh, thought to kickoff returns. A couple of bad things can happen and, you know, versus maybe one good thing. And so just don't do it. And with the rules today, the rules are set up. They're going to give it to you on the 25, even if you fair catch it, at, you know, shit in the goal line or, or on the one, uh, they're going to march it out to the 25. So, all right, enough about that. Last sort of special teams thing, uh, Roy Dale Williams had an onside kick recovery. And I'll be honest, I, 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 I almost don't want to say this because I wish I feel like I should know this, but I don't remember seeing Roy Dell on the kickoff coverage team uh, all season. And so maybe he's been there and, you know, he's there for this purpose and he's there all the time. Maybe there was a switch where Alabama brought him in. Uh, there's a, a mystical thought that, that, I, that maybe I wish that we had brought him in sort of expecting something. But when Roy Dell, you know, got the ball, recovered the ball, and he looked up and the camera was just – somehow just right on his face and just the expression. And again, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but the expression on his face was almost like how the hell did coach know that the ball was going to come right to me? Uh, Cause it never comes, you know, right to me. And so I thought that to me, that was sort of a funny moment. Uh, but coming out of half, Kansas state said, we're playing, you know, for keeps where we are outmatched here. Um, and so we're going to try to make something happen. And, and it didn't. And then, you know, we talked about, Alabama scoring 21 points in just over two minutes of clock time. Well, that contributed because Alabama scored like right going into half with a couple seconds left on the clock. And it got the ball, was getting the ball just anyways, but got the ball in like tremendous field position because of the onside kick. Uh, Alabama scored very aggressively off of that. And then um, I think it was an interception. It was Brian Branch's interception uh, that came next on the very next possession. And it was early in that possession for K-State. So it was like on the 30, and Alabama scored you know, pretty aggressively on that. So uh, Kansas State certainly contributed to Alabama scoring those points, but Alabama took advantage of those opportunities. And, again, I'm sort of rifting off of this, but uh, the one-size kick that Roy Dell uh, recovered, that's uh, always a lot of fun, and uh, it's always a, uh, always a big play. All right, so what's next? Well, likely a lot is going to happen. Uh, again, we sort of talked about this, uh, sort of disclaimed it at the beginning. We're recording this uh, Sunday, and a lot's going to start happening, maybe as early as today. Certainly as we get into the week, uh, the business week, players are going to declare to the uh, for the NFL. Uh, some have already said they're not. Some have been sort of noncommittal of what they're going to do. Well, we're going to start finding that stuff out. Uh, everyone, you know, the, the worst-kept secret in college football is Bill O'Brien's going to – uh, the Patriots. We've been saying that all season. And um, and so in his, his pressers leading up to the Sugar Bowl, he said, we're focused on this game. We're focused on this game. We're focused on this game, which is all the right answer. Well, that game's done now. And so whatever's going to happen is now going to happen. And so by the time you listen to this, some of this may have already started to, to unfold or 
not unravel, but sort of un unfold. And so hear me saying, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, by the time you listen to it, well, it's some of it started to happen. And so, you know, it's a little bit of a disclaimer based on timing of recording and, and getting it out, uh, coaching moves, whatever it's going to be. We're going to have upcoming uh, shows on the, these topics. I think this is a pivotal offseason and we've talked at it. We've talked to it. This is sort of the, especially, I think, the second second half of the regular season. And so here we are. Uh, the offseason is upon us. And so we saw what recruiting did. Uh, we'll have a show where we talk about that a little bit. Uh, we've seen some of the roster management, and I use that sort of as a blanket term. Um, and we've talked about some of it, and we're going to spend more time talking uh, about some of that. And then we're going to have changes um, across the coaching staff as well. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. There's not sort of a timeline or duration. Uh, some of this could, could, could happen well into the summer. Uh, we've had transfers come in April and May. So we'll see how that, that plays out. Uh, but we'll have additional shows uh, on those topics. I have a handful of other topics that I want to try to explore uh, this offseason. So I've said before, hey, we're going to try to do some offseason shows. And so essentially I'm saying that again. Uh, hopefully I have a better sort of grasp from a in my mind about what I want some of those topics to be. And so stick with us uh, for those. And um, we certainly look forward uh, to that. I want to wish everyone uh, happy holidays. Uh, it was probably too early to, to say that, you know, back before. So now I'm saying it when it's too late. Um, I wish I, I appreciate you all. If you're listening to this, holy cow, I really do appreciate you. Uh, I hope you've had a great, phenomenal holiday uh, season. New Year season, oh, 2023 is phenomenal uh, for you. And so um, with that, why don't we all sort of join, hand, join hands and say this together. Say it with me. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.